Tzemach Tzedek. That was one gift he would bring with him. There was a... Um, uh, it was so established that no matter how rich or poor you were, you definitely, if you were a chassid, you, you put aside money to be given to this, this fund. And his, that was his job. He would... Um, people would come and they would give their money and they would say l'chaim with him. He would say l'chaim with everyone when they would bring their gift and they would wish each other they should be able to give more and to do well, better in business, to be able to give more tzedakah and, and to help Kel Chabad. So Ramesha, when he would visit the, the Tzemach Tzedek, he would bring the monies for Kel Chabad. He also would bring a second gift, a donation for the support of the household of the Rebbe, called Maimit. For this already, not everyone participated in. This was not an, a mandatory tax, if you will. Not everybody participated in it, but everyone... Most people tried to give at least something to support the Rebbe's household, Maimid. And there was a third gift he would give the, um, the Rebbe, and that was a personal gift. He would give the Rebbe a, a silver snuffbox, a scarf, something he would bring for the Rebbe to use, a handkerchief, a, something the Rebbe, that, that the Rebbe himself would use. And when he would return from visiting Samach Tzedek, he would return with three, three new things. He would return with a new teaching step from the Tzemach Tzedek. He would return with a uh, song that he had learned in Lubavitch, a new song they were singing on that Yontif. And he would return also with cake that the Rebetzin, Rebetzin Chaim Mushka, Tzemach Tzedek's Rebetzin, would bake for him personally. He was very respected in the city of Lubavitch. Everyone who would visit Lubavitch would have to try to find a place to stay, but he was honored to stay in the Rebbe's chatzir, in the courtyard of the Rebbe. Again, he was knowledgeable and prominent, and uh, people didn't weren't jealous of him because of his wealth or for his prestige, but they were jealous of his ability to go visit the Rebbe. Not everyone would wish they could go you know, travel to the Rebbe, and uh, that was something that he uniquely was able to do, and other chassidim just wished they could. But before they would go, before he would go, the chassidim would make a fabrengen, and they would say, and he would repeat the teachings that he had heard from the Tzemach Tzedek on his last trip, before, before he would go on the next trip, he would repeat again the teaching, explain the discourse, and there was a very warm Hasidic atmosphere, and they would forbring and gather together until the um, wagon driver would come and, uh, and bring him to the wagon driver's name was Emeir Bunim. Emeir Bunim would come and he would take him to the to the station to go to uh, the the train in Mir to go travel from there to Lubavitch. He married, Ramesha married his niece. His brother, Rodl, had a daughter named Zelda. And he married his niece. His, his wife was also unusually a great Sadekis. She knew the entire Tehillim by heart. And she, would able, she was able to recite the whole Tilm without mistakes every Shabbos by heart. She was, she was also, um, in her house, people would come and they would fabreng and they would, you know, they had a Hasidic gathering, sometimes they would break things. She was a very, um, very pleasant disposition. She would always, she wouldn't, she would treat everyone there like family and she would never criticize anyone even though they would, you know, dirty her furniture and ruin the house. Not only that, but when, before her husband would go on a trip, she would always work very hard to make sure he had all he, that he needed, and that when he was away visiting Lubavitch, 
she would be the one that all the chassidim would turn to for help. Just like her husband, Ramesha, was someone that everyone would turn to for a loan or for assistance. So she was the one, uh, Rebetzin, his wife, Zelda, she was the one who all the chassidim would go to for a loan and, and, and other assistance. And she was uniquely, and even in that time, a very modest, holy, special woman. And there's one thing that bothered uh, Ramesha and his wife, Zelda, and that was that they didn't have any children. It wasn't that his wife was barren, she was able to have children, but unfortunately her children never survived. They lived for a few years, and then they died. And you can imagine the, the grief that they had raising children, and the children dying. So she, one year before Shoshana, she told her husband that she is now pregnant, and she wants, when her husband goes to the the to to the uh, new Rebbe, who's now the Rebbe Marash, new Rebbe in Lubavitch, it was his first year. Oh, I mean, I'm not sure the first year, one of the first years of the Rebbe Marash's leadership. On he was going there for Shoshana. He should go ask the Rebbe Marash for a bracha that this child should live. The child shouldn't just you know just live uh, and be born, but but continue to live and not pass away. So she hopefully sent this message with her husband, hoping that he would give this message and that the blessing would be fulfilled. So he traveled to Lubavitch, and he spent uh, Rosh Hashanah there, and he felt that, that something special was going to happen. Even it was just he felt that way, he could see that something special was going to happen. He went to the shul, in the city of Lubavitch, davening with the Marash, and on the, on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, the Aftera is about the prayer of, of Chana, when prayer Chana prayed for a child. And while the Rebbe Marash was saying the Aftera, the prayer of Chana asking for a child, because the reason we say the Aftera then is because Chana was remembered on Rosh Hashanah, and it's a, generally that Aftera that is, is known as a time for asking for, for children, so the Emrash stopped after and looked at Rabbi Moshe from Mir. So he really felt like, this is for me. And after um, uh, Rosh Hashanah is over and Simgadaya is over, it's now time for him to enter the Rabbi's room. And he had to give the request of his wife, and he was very nervous about it. So he drank a lot of vodka to try to calm his nerves down. To prepare for going into the uh, to prepare for going to Marash and to present the request of his wife, but he was so uh, emotional, he was no longer presenting the request of his wife. It was a joint request. He and his wife were asking that they should be able to have a child and the child should live like their other children who lived and passed away very young. So he came to Marash, and he found the Marash. He came to Marash's room. The Marash was humming. He's holding a sefer, holding a book. And he was humming the Haftorah of, of the first day of Rosh Hashanah. And he asked the Emrash for this blessing. The Emrash says you should travel peacefully, Bishalim. You davent with concentration, said the Emrash. And your prayer will be accepted in Mirz Hashem. And then the Emrash said to him, and you should give the child a name after Give a child a name after father. Okay, give a child a name after the father. 
Okay. Wow. Amazing. Now, the custom those days was that after you left the Rebbe's room, you would go into a dance, a Yechidah's dance. So now it's great. It's time to dance. And he was ready to dance. The Rebbe Marashat clearly give a name after the father. He knows that this, this, this is going to have a baby and, the ba- and, and, and this baby is going to live. So he was dancing and then it came time to, for him to leave. And he traveled back. When he traveled back, the Chassidim were waiting for him. They had a Chafabrengan again. And he shared the new teachings of the Marash and the new Nigan and the cake that Rebbeson made for him. And, but on the way there, on the way until he got to there, he had a quandary and he couldn't solve the quandary. The Rebbe, when he, the, on, uh, to his on misfortune, he, when he traveled back on his car and in, in the train, there was only non-Jews there. You know one to, to, to talk with about the experience. He had a book. He tried to read the book. He couldn't read the book. Just was mine was also because he couldn't answer this question. Yet. What was his question? His question was, the Reb Marash said to give a name after father. In Yiddish you say, Deretate. Deretate means the father. Or actually, the Reb Marash said, Tate, Nachim Tate, after father. Which father? Should he name his child after his own father, Reb Shol, or should he name his child after the Marash's father, the Tzemach Tzedek? So he didn't know what to do. And he was debating, maybe you should name the child a little after both. Maybe you should call his son Shol Nachmendel. Maybe you should call him Nachmendel Shol. But that certainly wasn't what the Reb Marash was saying. The Reb Marash said, after father. So he meant one of the two. He didn't know which one. So he was so, so confused. And he came back, and they had this that gathering, and his he, again he was someone who was a very positive person, very uppy person. He tried to restore his trust in Hashem and uh, calm down. He didn't really know what he's going to do, but uh, uh, Purim arrives, and right after the Purim meal, his wife goes to deliver ba- the baby. Did I say the baby? The babies, he had twins. So the Ramarasha's words were fulfilled. A name after father. Which father? Both fathers. If he had, one child was named Shol after his own father, and his firstborn son was named Nachamandl after the Tzemach Tzedek. But it didn't really matter what, the, uh, what he named his children, because his children uh, got nicknames. His, uh, his, his oldest son, was, they nicknamed him Rebbe, and his younger son, Shaul, they nicknamed him Zayda, because he was named after his, his grandfather. And so that was the, um, that was, that was one story I wanted to share. How, and the Rebbe Marash uh, gave this person this bracha, and it was fulfilled. I heard today another story. I hope Beryl can correct me in the story. We heard the story together. Another similar story. There was a guy who had a similar problem. They would have children. Children would die very young. And they came to the Rebbe Marash also to ask for a bracha. The Rebbe Marash said they should name their child Ben Siyin. And this child grew, and he was he moved to Israel, and he helped a lot of Jews in Israel. And the family feels that the reason why the Rebbe Marash said he should name, they should name their child Ben Siyin is because he should go to Tzir, he should go to Yushalayim, and he should help families in Yushalayim, which is indeed, uh, which is indeed what he did. The 13th of Tishrei, the yard site, Hilula, Adab Marash is connected to the theme of L'Chathchila River. L'Chathchila River means, as Adab Marash said, the world says that if you can't go under an obstacle, go over. And Adab Marash says, 
And I say, David, if you wanted to say something, I'm sorry, unmute yourself. It just sound like it was a background noise. Then Rash said, and I say, said, then Rash goes straight over. If you have an obstacle, don't, 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 don't try to go under the obstacle. Then Rash says, I say, go straight over. On that note, uh, the Rebbe related in 1956, shortly after the passing of the previous Rebbe, there was a chassid who was running a school in Israel. In Israel, it's not like it is in the United States, a little more communistic, if you will. And the schools receive funding from the government, and the government's very precise about the, how, what kind of schools they will fund, and, what school, and the schools they wouldn't, wouldn't fund, especially then, 1956. And the Rebbe instructed, knowing how, how the previous Rebbe emphasized how every moment should be used to study Torah, the Rebbe instructed this principal to open the school two weeks before the scheduled time. Two weeks before the scheduled time, they should open the school already. So he does. And this principal wasn't uh, so knowledgeable in halacha or not. He was a simple, devoted chassid. And the school says to him, if you don't close that school right now, you're going to lose your funding. He says, listen, I got instruction from... The Rebbe repeated the story. He, the Rebbe said he, he got instruction from someone he gave a certain title to. That's what the Rebbe said. He got instruction from someone that he gave a certain title to. In other words, he gave inst- got instruction from the Lubavitcher Rebbe. That's what he called our Rebbe. He called our Rebbe the Lubavitcher Rebbe. So he, he got instruction the Rebbe said, from someone he gave a certain title to. Because that person was giving him the, instru- the message of what the previous Rebbe would want. And so he told the uh, government, government represent, the representative of the government who was threatening to cut the funding, who was so angry at him and telling him you're going to lose everything, he's telling him, listen, this instruction I got, if you like it, great. If you don't like it, we'll figure this out without you. That's what he told him. So instead of this government representative being angry, he was angry a moment before, a miracle happened. This school needed funding to put up a gate and other structures in the school, and they couldn't get the assistance from the government to do this for years. For years they were asking. As soon as, the same day that he gave them the reply to the government representative, that this is what they're doing and that's it, all of a sudden the government, they, they said, sure, we, we're, they, 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 they okayed and green-lighted the funding for the gate and other structures that the school needs. So it really... There was highlighting with this story how people who are following the ways of the previous Rebbe will see miracles and wonders. The Rebbe said that in the time of the previous Rebbe, the previous Rebbe, when he was living in this world, he was somewhat limited by his body. And therefore, there was, although there's miracles and success, but there was a limitation. But after the passing of the three Rebbe, the Rebbe said there is no limitation whatsoever, and the miracles and wonders are just flowing. That's the second story. And since Yisif Cohen just joined, I'll tell you a third story. This is a good story. Uh, also in the line of, actually, this is our Yehuda, you're keeping track, this is the fourth story, right? This is the fourth story. Uh, this, this, is a sto- this is also in line with the idea of of going straight over, not being affected by obstacles. There was a chassid of our Rebbe, his name was Rebitzuk Nemes. Rebitzuk Nemes was a stamp collector, a professional stamp collector. And he was trying to do business for a while with someone that he met. He met someone named, named, named Tenkel, Mr. Tenkel. And he wanted to do business with this guy, Tenkel, for a while. But Mr. Tenkel was hard to reach, and he was a very prominent businessman. He was a very high-level businessman. And did, but they end, ended up meeting, and he ended up 
um, uh, trying to make some kind of deal with him. But it was a complicated deal. It required lawyers and contracts. And he invested a lot of time it was, it was in, in his profession in stamps. After six months, they managed to do everything that was needed to ratify the deal. But right before the deal was meant to be ratified, Mr. Tankel had cold feet. He canceled the deal. So Mr. Nemes was so distraught. He put in six months of his life for this deal, which could have really helped him. Now it's all nothing. He felt terrible. At that time, Mr. Tenkel traveled to Europe with his wife. And unfortunately, his wife died in an accident. Mr. Tenkel himself also was injured. And when he came back, Yitzhak Nemes asked to speak to him. And, and, and again, they spoke. And he said to him, listen, there's something you could do. We didn't meet by accident. It wasn't just about the business. If I, we can't do business together, I want to do some spiritual business with you. In honor of your wife's neshama, you don't know what you could do for her neshama by deciding to keep kosher. Keep kosher? I don't want to keep kosher. Because, especially now, till now my wife made food for me, and so we could talk about what she'll make for me. But now I have to make our own food? How am I supposed to keep kosher? Zizaknitz said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. At that time, in New York, there was a place called Schreiber's in the Bronx, and they made their first kosher TV dinners. He said, I will get you kosher dinner every night. And that's what he did. He would go on Thursday night, and he would take a subway to the Bronx. He would go to Schreiber's, and he would, get, he would buy seven dinners. He would buy seven because that's as much as he could carry. And he would bring the seven dinners to Mr. Tenkel's home in Riverside. And that's what he would do every single week. Every week he would go there, bring in the TV dinners for a year and a half. For a year and a half, he's going to his house bringing him these TV dinners. After a year and a half, Mr. Tinkle says, you know what, let's stop this. You don't have to do this anymore. He says, why not? He says, I'm not even eating them. They're, they're too salty. You're not eating them? What are you doing with them? He says, I give them to my dog. He's like, he got sick just hearing this. Like He put in a year and a half of his life to, to help this guy keep kosher, and every week he's going for hours buying these TV dinners and traveling to the Bronx and to the Riverside and putting out so much money, it, it, just, it, just, it, just, it just knocked the wind out of him. And uh, it made him, you know, I'm sure what he thought was, you know, like waste, what a waste of all of his time and energy. But what do we learn in today's Hayom Yom? Today's Hayom Yom, it says, there is a, a brisk tamula. There is a, a covenant made about efforts that we make for Jewish education. That when you do, um, when you reach out to someone to help them spiritually, and you do this with wisdom and with friendship, there's a rule, there's a covenant that will never go empty-handed. Never go empty-handed. That's the rule. That when you do make an effort to help someone in education, it will not go empty-handed. Okay? So, but this felt like you totally empty, right? Two years later, they had in New York, at that time, something called Pagisha. Pagisha was, a, it still is an event that happens a few times a year, 
where people come to Crown Heights for a Shabbos to have an encounter with this, this Hasidic neighborhood and the Rebbe. And Rabbi Castell, who runs the Chabad Youth Organization in New York, called up the Nemes family, Mrs. Nemes, can you host us a gentleman, he's a student in a university, he wants to come for Shabbos, last minute arrival, can you host him? Yeah, we'll host him. They host this man, man comes to their house, and they're talking, and why did you, were you interested in coming to this neighborhood? Why do you want to do this? The guy says, I'll tell you why. My grandfather told me that there's, there's a very nice community here. They're very special people. He said there was a guy who would come to my house every week and bring me seven TV dinners just so I should keep kosher. So you should pay attention. These people you should check them out. They must be special people. That grandson of Mr. Tenkel, as they realized this, this was Mr. Tenkel's grandson, he loved that Shabbos, and he became himself a full-fledged Lubavitcher chassid. So, bottom line is, not to look at the obstacles, pay attention to what the, what the task is, not to pay attention to any of the naysayers of your own mind, naysayers of the outside, just don't, don't, go straight over all the obstacles, and it never goes empty-handed. Chazok tamula is a rule, brisa tamula, that we, we go forward and you, and you try to help other Jews come close to Judaism. Somehow, there is fruit that is born from those efforts. Hashem shall help us all that we should all go doing what the Rebbe wants from us, the tremendous success. And the Iker is, the main thing is, is, is that the Eibishter should go and take us immediately out of this Golas and should go tonight to Yushalayim Yerkesh and Mashiach Tzakeinim. That's what I want to share. Any questions or comments? Good story. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck, Yosef. Good luck, Beryl. Good luck, David. Good luck, I'm Sean. Good luck, Yuda. Good luck. Good luck, Rabbi. Shabbat Shalom.